Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. Guess what, Jen? Chicken butt. Pilot Brewing came home with two GABF medals. I know. If you didn't think I was going to talk about it. No, I was going to... (laughs) Well, I had to do, I was going to do the intro first, and then we were going to talk about it. Oh, we I, th- can, no. I thought we just had that. This is the intro. Okay. So guess what? Rachel. <laughs> 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 no, tell us. Tell us about the um, the two medals that Pilot won at GABF. Well, first, tell our fair listeners what GABF is. Yes. So, GABF, Great American Beer Festival. Yes. 20 33 years 33rd year of festival 25th year of competition i think so i think so you guys can fact check me okay but you don't need to like email us or anything no we get it keep it to yourself yeah anyway so it's pretty awesome our first year entering first year we've been eligible to enter um about 2300 breweries entered 9497 entries 320 medals awarded to about 285 breweries and 12 went to North Carolina, six went to Charlotte and two went to Pilot Brewing Company. Fuck yeah, dude. We had, we were not expecting it at all. Yeah. That's what 33% of all the medals in Charlotte went to Pilot <laughs> Brewing. I didn't, I didn't think about it like that, but I, I love it. I think that's how math works. First brewery in Charlotte to bring to home two medals in the same year for two different beers. And that's pretty awesome. Like fourth brewery in North Carolina. That's super awesome. Yeah. So uh, we are drinking one of these right now. Tell us about the two beers that won. So we won Bach category, third bronze in Bach category for Dunkel Bach, which (laughs) so uh, just to give you a little bit of picture of how stressful this was. (laughs) (laughs) So we're sitting, we get to the word ceremony. And I don't know, there's like what, how many categories in this competition? 150? It went on for a lot longer than I was expecting to because I was watching the live stream and I got there, I think I dialed in half an hour after it started and I yeah. sat there for two hours. So it was yeah. two and a half hours. I think it was around 100 categories. Yeah, it was a lot. So our first category was like number 44. Right. Yeah. So we're like with this, you know, because you know, you know what you entered, you know, the category numbers. So our first one was like 44. Last one was like 91. <laughs> so like, you know, the first 20 go by and then like I'm really starting to feel it. Like I'm coming up on a drug or something. I'm like, oh, Jesus, fuck. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I can't believe this is happening. This is going to suck if we lose. What if we win? Like, it's a roller coaster of emotions. Right. And then they get to the category and they're like, category 44. Fuck. You know, and I'm like. My head is just in my lap. I can't even breathe. And then he's like, and bronze. And the words, award goes to Dunkelbach. And I'm like, ah, how many Dunkelbachs are there? Because <laughs> stupid us, we don't name our beers, so like, ever. Right. So our beer was Dunkelbach. And I'm right. like, oh, my God, there must be. And, you know, this is like a second that goes by, but it feels like five minutes. Right. 
And he's like, Pilot Brewing. And Jeff and I just jump up and we're both like simultaneously like, holy shit. That's exactly what I did. And we screamed it. (laughs) Yeah, I was sitting at home and it was kind of the same thing. I'd been watching it for long enough and I had forgotten all the categories that we were in. Yeah, that's true. You you probably didn't even. Yeah, yeah. and with all of those entries, you know, like New Realm didn't win anything and they're like Firestone Walker didn't win anything. Uh, They did. They they won. They won for Summer Opal. Oh, okay. Because okay. I just read art. I only know that because I just read an article this morning about the breweries that have had streaks. Yeah, and they've won something every year for like twenty two years. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, Anyways, anyway, yeah. So I, like, Stone I didn't was... win anything. Left hand didn't win anything. Right. <laughs> um, I was sitting anyway. there and was like, you know, kind of. I'm just scrolling through social media or something on my phone, and he said Pilot Brewing, and I was like what yeah Yeah, me too and so right now i'm I'm in atlanta i'm staying in an an apartment until we get buy a house down there i move down there and so there's like this 20 year old kid next to me who (laughs) does some sort i think some sort of sports thing it's usually like monday thursday night i think maybe it's football uh so i can hear him and his friends all the time like And here I am, like, on Saturday afternoon, like, the same thing, but being like, fuck yeah, motherfuckers, yeah, woo! <laughs> Trust me, I was doing that, too. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was, I was just, like, like, almost like a double, like, Scooby-Doo, like, yeah. double take. Yeah. Not not that it's not a very good beer, but I No, just, we weren't expecting to win anything. We yeah. were just excited to get some, like, cool feedback back from, like, some right. established judges that have been doing this for a long time, you know happy to be there happy to serve you right. know happy to pay a bunch of money and donate all of our beer like there's no right right <laughs> we're just happy to be a part of it and man it was it was crazy it's the best feeling it's definitely you know item accomplished on my bucket list it, yeah it's really cool uh, well and then it happened again and then it happened again <laughs> for silver for mimosa goza which is a t- contemporary goza category mm-hmm. is what it was called 102 entries mm-hmm. we got silver yeah. Second place. And then Town Brewery, right down the road, got gold. Yeah. And I didn't even care. <laughs> well, and to me, though, I think, like, that's great. Who yeah. better to get second exactly. place to than friends here in Charlotte? But, I, you know, you're just such a high. You're just running down there. And then they were behind us in line. Brian, the head brewer, like, turned around, and he was just like, whoo. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that was their one award. That yeah. was, like, their last entry. You know, so they're like, yeah. eh, going home with nothing, maybe. Right. And then, yeah. And then, and then you, once you hear bronze, you think you're out. And then you hear silver, and you're like, I'm definitely out. And, but, you know, to hear gold, right. like, that's super exciting for them also. Yeah. No, and it's super cool. And even in, you know, Charlotte cleaned up. So you said, yeah. what, 12 in North Carolina? And six and in Charlotte. So half of all the GABF medals for North Carolina came out of Charlotte. Yeah. Sugar Creek, Triple C. Wooden Robot. Wooden Robot. Town. Town. Pilot. Oh no, we can't forget somebody. No, we won't forget. We won't forget. Well, um, well, we're it. trying to remember that. Anyway, so it was very exciting. We, if we had won one more award, doesn't matter what, bronze, whatever, we would have won very small brewery of the year. That would have been shit. badass. I actually, when they were getting ready to announce it, was thinking, I yeah. don't, I don't know how many awards people have to win, but Pilot has just won two. Yeah, we we weren't sure either. Because we were getting ready to leave after the last one, after, like the last category was Grisette or something. So right. we knew we were done at that point. And then he, he was like, no, wait, we, we might we might win this. And then we're like, well, we're, 
when are they going to call? We had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we didn't. It went to Brink. Bear, um, Bear, so there's a brewery in North Carolina who did win that. Brown Truck. Brown Truck. One very small brewery. Badass. One year. Their first yeah. year. Yeah, no, and I remember um, like the week before GABF, we happened to be driving through High Point doing something. Um, actually, I think maybe we were on our way. Is when they still did the North Carolina Brewers Cup in October. Mm-hmm. And we were on our way there. I think that's where we were going. And we're taking back roads. And we're like, hey, let's just stop. Like we stopped at New Serum. And then we were still like on the whole back road kick. So we're going through High Point, and I said, I, there's a brewery there that just opened, and so we went to Brown Truck, and, you know, we didn't really have any expectations of it. Sure. Especially being a small, new brewery in a small town with no other breweries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like... And we walked in and got a flight, and we were like, oh my God, these beers are amazing. And they were. Everything was super solid, really good. That's and awesome. Then the week later at JBF, they won all these awards and they won the very small small brewery of the year. Yeah. And that was like that was so cool to see that and be like, yeah, they deserve it because that's really really good product. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't even heard of heard of them until this year. I tried something at the festival of theirs. I don't remember what it was, but super cool little spot too. So mm-hmm. if you're ever in High Point, North Carolina, I highly recommend going to Brown Truck. Still trying to think of that other brewery. It's <laughs> fucking driving me nuts. <laughs> think of it oh well so tis the season for beer and food pairing that's right so that's what we're actually here to talk about today now that i'm done gloating right um i do have to tell you i had and then i promise we'll get to the topic of the day no it's cool uh yeah i mean it's our podcast we we want you will listen (laughs) and you will like it uh so one of my friends said, hey, I finally started listening to your podcast. He said, I started listening to it. And I said, okay, great. Like, what what do you think about it? And he's like, it's really good, but I can definitely tell towards the end when the alcohol starts to kick in. <laughs> and you two are starting to get a little tipsy. And I was like, we don't drink we don't, when we yeah. record. We, we are having a little bit of uh, 3.8% mimosa goes a celebratory Today. beer tonight. Yes. It is tonight. Saturday night. Yes, it is 6.30 <laughs> on a Saturday we night. We have also done this at 9 a.m. on a Sunday. Right. And we have not been drinking. Yeah, but you're... you're <laughs> but yeah, that is so awesome. <laughs> He's like, I can definitely tell... Maybe we just get more comfortable or we just get into it. Or, I don't know. What is... Right, right. But yeah, I was like, <laughs> we don't... We're not drinking when we record. (laughs) I mean, we could be, but we're not. Right. Well, because usually, yeah, it's just whenever it fits into our schedule. So, like, we don't have a set schedule for recording. It's just whenever we're both free and then whenever our podcasting studio is free. And so sometimes it will be, like, 11.25 on a Tuesday morning. Uh, But, yeah, so he he thought that he could definitely tell when the alcohol was kicking in. It's like, nope, we're... (laughs) We're just that Ooh. dumb all the time. What, what do you have to say? <laughs> I'm so curious. So back to food and beer pairings. So we were doing this today because by the time this episode comes out, um, and also thank you if you're rejoining us from the garbage episode known as the Halloween episode. <laughs> Thanks for coming back. Just give us another we chance. We appreciate you. And if you haven't listened to it, um, don't. Just skip over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's not. 
Well, bad, just not our best work. But you know, you you can't get two yeah. GABF medals every time, right? Nope. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> so today we're talking about particularly holiday beer and yes. food pairings. So we need a beer that is going to pair with a piece of toast, a pretzel stick, popcorn. Oh, okay. Is this how we start? What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring any of those things. Where's the turkey? What kind of blockhead cooked all this? Okay, okay, okay. So today, what we're talking about <laughs> is, like she said, holiday pairings. So, by the way, that was uh, Peanuts Thanksgiving reference. Oh, okay. Sorry. A little, I'm a little younger than Jen and everybody. Oh, my God. So I don't always <laughs> get all the references. Sometimes it takes me a little bit. She didn't go, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so I didn't understand. I just thought that's what I sounded like. <laughs> didn't see you all the time. Don't worry. We're going to edit this out. So you're hosting Thanksgiving or holiday dinner for your beer aficionado friend. Aficionado. That's somebody who Afic- acts like they know a lot about beer and they don't. Aficionado. 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 Okay, but let's say you want to impress me or Jen, which is very hard to do. Actually, it's not. You give me a plate of mashed potatoes, yeah, and I'm so happy. I, I don't know. want that gravy though. You keep that. That's said. I don't eat the gravy. I don't want the gravy. I just want the mashed potatoes. But anyways, I want a good beer with the mashed potatoes. So what? You know, let's talk about different simple things that you can do to pair make a nice little beer dinner out of your holiday dinner you know yeah you don't have to get crazy right and it's funny so um i used to be really intimidated by that and i remember when we had taken the uh advanced cicerone exam especially because of that test yes (laughs) yeah but you know talking about it afterwards and like we all said the same thing like i said that too yeah and one of our other friends pointed out like well yeah they're not trying to trick you these there are pretty basic principles and particularly just with anything really surrounding the advanced Cicerone, you really get into your own head and you're thinking they want you to talk about like they want I don't know you, they, you, like a you, sous vide you get reduction. into your head and you think that they want you to have like a PhD on the thing right yeah and, and, stuff and really is it, and, and they don't and yeah. it's, you just have to demonstrate that you understand these basic principles yeah it, it is very intimidating but you know when you when you're just talking about a simple, I say simple because we're all used to the Thanksgiving dinner. We're not making some sort of crazy curry or anything right. like a crazy spice dish. But but if you do, pair it with an IPA. <laughs> or a wit. Or a wit. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, information for your sister and Tess. Very, very valuable. Yes. Or if somebody brings a spicy curry dish to your Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. You'll be ready. You'll be prepared. Have a wit. Back in the fridge. It will go nice with everything. It will. I yeah. was going to say, a good good general pairing advice for really anything, but especially when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner, is if you don't know what to do, go Belgian. Yes. Saison, a wit, a triple, anything like that is going yep. to go well with pretty much any dish. I would say Belgian on the easier side. When you start getting to those right, real don't do comp- a quad. Yeah. yeah, don't get like a <laughs> real complex flavored you know, 12% quad or right. anything. But right. no, you're totally right. A Belgian brown, a Belgian blonde, you're pretty much going to be safe. But, you know, um, maybe we could go through some courses a little bit. Like, 
if you wanted to make a nice cheese plate or cheese pairing to start out your Thanksgiving dinner, you Mm -hmm. know. One thing I've learned about making a very good cheese plate, which I just picked up on some social media thing, I'm sure, is that you should have a cow's milk, Mm -hmm. a sheep's milk, and a goat. Yep. And I also learned today, if you are sharing a hard rind wheel of cheese with people, that the softest or the middle is the softest. Right. And that you should always share the tips, the softest, the middle part of the cheese. You should not be a hog when it comes to eating the middle part of the cheese. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I am a hog. You say that and that makes perfect sense because typically when I, if I'm slicing up cheese, particularly something that's in a wheel. Yeah. And I'm doing it for a cheese plate, I'll usually cube it or I'll do, you know, like the Uh, kind of like a pie slice. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, for me, it depends on the kind of cheese. So if it's like a hard cheese, like some sort of like a Parmesan or a Bellavitano or something like that, then I do the slices because with softer cheeses, it can um, really crumble really easily. And uh, so I'll usually do that. But then if it's just something like a wheel of Gouda, I usually cube that up or something like that. So that's a really interesting thing to know about that is that you should be serving from the inside out. Yeah. But it makes perfect sense. I mean, I've... I make cheese, not not very often, but just having done that, obviously it dries out from the edges inward, so that makes perfect yeah. sense. Apparently, uh, you're considered a cheese hog to the cheesemongers if you do that. Oh no, I know I'm a cheese. Hog. I did not know. <laughs> I'm compared. I, I didn't know I was yeah. until today. <laughs> no, I'm known as a cheese hog to anyone who sees me around cheese. <laughs> but if you want to impress your friends. Super easy to make a really easy cheese plate without spending a lot of money. You can definitely, like Trader Joe's is great Yeah, for cheese. And you can, you can, all you need is just like maybe three cheeses. You don't mm-hmm. have to get crazy. You can get, easily get some dried cherries, dried cranberries or uh, raisins. Apricots. Apricots. Just some nice pieces of, um, I don't want to say toast, but like crackers, like nicer crackers. Mm-hmm. Like, um honey and just little small jams are perfect and then you are you have a belgian blonde a belgian uh brown you're you're golden yeah pretty much everything on there is gonna go well with those beers unless you get like a really stinky cheese really funky cheese or something right blue blue or well and the other thing particularly with um when one of the, the the benefits of using a Belgian beer, particularly something like a wheat or a triple, not only so one of the things with the Belgian beer is that the yeast is very complex. So it will have a lot of really spicy phenolics and it will also have a lot of fruity esters. And so those are going to pick up on different things, which is why it's great because if you particularly if you're talking about like a dinner or something like that, you don't want people to have like six different glasses of beer on the table. There's not room for it. Yeah. But the other thing that makes Belgians so great is that they're typically very highly carbonated. Yes. And so especially with a cheese plate, that high carbonation is going to help lift all that richness and fat. So you're just kind of effectively resetting your palate all the time. Yep, exactly. And different beers will bring out different flavors in cheeses. Um, we we uh, do a, a little food and beer tour at the brewery. We don't do it. Mm-hmm. We we are part of it. We're like the end stops. We always do a cheese tasting. And today, actually, before this podcast, we I was hosting one, and we have this Maharero cheese. It's mm-hmm. this Spanish goat cheese. Maharero. And it is nutty. It's firm. It's like like ma, uh, Marchango, but it's a little bit more creamier, white, uh, not quite as firm. It's more nutty, more milky. 
And we typically pair it with our cafe latte style, which has mm-hmm. lactose sugar in it. The dairy of both of those things are really brought out in each other. It's right. almost like an ice cream coffee pairing. It is. That is it's such a good pairing. And then today we tried it with our cranberry saison. Oh, interesting. Which was very interesting. I would never like think to put those together. And that cram- the phenolics in that French saison yeast mm-hmm. like really brought out this nutty character of the cheese that was not present with the cafe latte. Yeah. So it was really interesting. It was really interesting. It was really good. Yeah. And Um, I can definitely see like the cranberry flavor, that tartness bringing out some of like the lactic acid in in the mojavero. Yeah. That is exactly the, oh man, it was delicious. It's almost like, we know what we're talking about. (laughs) I just learned this today. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, um, and I will say before we go off of this really quickly, I wasn't being rude. I was looking on Instagram because there's, I, f- I love making cheese plates. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I've started following a lot of cheese plate <laughs> accounts on Instagram. But I like that. There's one in particular. It's called Cheese by Numbers. Follow Ooh. them. They're fantastic. So I'll show Rachel right now. But what they do is they start with the finished plate. Oh, and then they show you step by step how yeah. they make it. I like that. And it's very, like, super, super, um, and that that one was a video, but it, sorry, I'm also sitting in, like, the squeakiest <laughs> chair. Why is this chair right here? But um, they will do, like, show you the finished product, and then you scroll through, and it starts with the cheese board, and then they put down, you know, like, the two dishes, and then they put in the mozzarella, then they yeah. do this, and they show you step-by-step step how to build that cheese board. So cheese by numbers yeah. on Instagram. Looks it's pretty fantastic, too. and they do all sorts of like they'll sometimes do really ornate ones, but then they'll also do really simple ones too. Yeah, so it's super easy to follow. And I also keep playing with this cord and like cutting myself out. So put your hands like this. There you uh, go. Put your hands in your pocket. It's hard for me to not <laughs> gesture with my hands. It's okay. No one can see you. Right, but they can <laughs> they can hear me like cutting the sound off. Um, so when we're talking about food and beer pairings, a really easy way to start is with the three C's. Yes. So this is a very common thing to hear. Yes. When you start learning about food and beer pairings. Right. Uh, so complement, contrast, and cut. Cut. So you want to think about with complement what sorts of flavors are going to match each other in the beer and the food. So like we were talking about with a Belgian beer it's got a lot of complexity to it, even even a Belgian blonde or a Belgian wit, and it's got those spicy phenols that will pick up the spices in the food, and it also has the fruity esters, and then it also just has the regular like malt and hop flavors. Yep. Uh, so thinking through that, if you're doing something like roasting a turkey, there's going to be some caramelization, some brownings, some Maillard reactions on there, and so you can get roasted yeah. a beer with roasted uh, malts in it or caramel malts. That's also if you're roasting it. You could be frying it. You could yeah. be boiling it, but that would be Ew. gross. <laughs> I will take water mm, with my turkey. boiled turkey. <laughs> so I could just swallow it. Yeah, oh, not with, with the sight of hot turkey water to wash it all down. But what I'm getting at is your cooking method can depend a lot on the type of flavors yes. that you're going to end up with. So if you are roasting something or browning it, you will get caramelized flavors. If you are boiling something, you won't. But so taking that into consideration when mm-hmm. you're cooking your stuff, same with like vegetables, yeah, roasted vegetables, stuff like that, you know, right. versus a blanched. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it depending on how 
deep you want to get into the food beer pairing like we said it doesn't have to be crazy you know just having a couple nice beers throughout the dinner you can find that a lot of beer will go well with the whole dinner as a compliment Mm -hmm. i mean we are talking about stuffing and potatoes starchy foods you know um some vegetables nothing maybe some sauces are what's going to give you your most flavor out of these things nothing like with a crazy amount of intensity that's a really good point and intensity is another thing that is a big deal when you're pairing food because you don't want this huge like 12 percent barley wine with your you know salad salad like simple dish that it's not gonna taste good because i love barley wine but (laughs) yeah if you're looking to impress people who aren't me then yeah so you know we're talking about compliment complimenting flavors you know, just like complimenting intensities. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, and beer is bread. I mean, the toasted flavors of bread, water cracker, grain, you know. Sorry, Jen's being funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, the to- all those toasted malt flavors are very much, they're so, so found. So found in so many mm-hmm. fruits and especially th- Thanksgiving dinner. Which is also why beer is so much easier to pair with food than wine is. Yes. Um, the huge part of the reason why you're just getting your flavor from freaking grapes. Mm-hmm. And like the terroir of the country, <laughs> i.e. dirt. <laughs> but no, it's like, could you imagine having it like, that? like wine is historically known as this like, oh, I have a nice... Cabernet with my steak. I'll have, I'll have this wine and this cheese, and there are great wine and food pairings out there. But for sure, but like beer is where so it much takes more the versatile. cake. Yeah, um, it's easier to learn about an, this type of alcoholic drink with food pairing than you know it is wine. Right. It's not. Yeah. It's definitely um, there is an art to it, and it does take practice. But it's not nearly as nuanced. Yeah. as wine is, and beer has carbonation. Wine That's doesn't, true. and carbonation is a big deal in scrubbing off fatty oils from fish or cheeses or anything rich you might eat it's a big deal for just scrubbing off the flavor for that last bite of food Mm -hmm. you just took so it's resetting your palate for the next bite of food so there there are a ton of ways to go and you know we talked about complementing flavors chocolate and chocolate Mm -hmm. fruit and fruit right citrus and citrus yeah and then you know on the opposite side we have contrasting flavors and mm-hmm. when we say contrasting we don't mean in like a bad way we mean in a good way we mean like orange juice and toothpaste no we don't mean that <laughs> but anyways you don't want orange and toothpaste in your food and beer combination typically right you don't talking about contrasting yes and not orange juice and toothpaste no in a good way contrasting in a good way right um i know i've been working a lot lately with beer and food pairings and one of the things i've been focusing on is when you can use sweetness to contrast something so if a dish is super spicy we I actually just had a pairing I did where it was a spicy dish and I was telling people if find out if the person wants it like if they're looking for a beer recommendation I have two different recommendations for you one of them is very sweet so it's going to make it seem not as spicy the other one is very bitter, so it's going to make it seem spicier. So yeah. I'm telling, like, I'm giving you these recommendations, but you might just need to read the room a little bit on what you what you recommend. Yeah, no, spicy is a really good example because there are a lot of things that can reduce heat mm-hmm. in the beer 
or there's a lot of things in the beer that can reduce the heat right. of the flavor of the food right or intensify it like you were just saying right. like but, kind of like if you um do you ever watch hot ones on youtube no the hot sauce challenge it's amazing <laughs> also my secret superpower is apparently i'm i have a very very high tolerance with hot sauces because <laughs> tom and i have done this twice now he loves hot sauce uh, like the like crazy ass like um, pucker butt hot sauce. I don't. I'm not like that. No. We've done them for. It actually happened to be Fourth of July both times. It wasn't just like Happy Birthday America. Let's eat hot sauce. <laughs> it just happened to be on those two days. But we went through and we're tasting them, and there were some that like he eats it all the time, and he's just like, Oh my god, this one kills me. And I was like, Yeah, I mean it's hot. And so that's just sort of I've discovered that's my my secret superpowers. I'm really really good with hot sauces. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is but, not on the system. But test, if you're so. if you're watching, uh, oh, it's also one more one more digression corner. Um, I do want to do a beer and hot sauce pairing. Anyway, oh, God. <laughs> but if you watch Hot Ones, which I highly recommend watching, because it's very very entertaining. Anyway, but that's why people on shows like that have will have a glass of milk. Yeah. Instead of water. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. because that, like, richness and, like, cream yeah. and dairy cuts that. So that's kind of the same process as pairing it with something sweet. Yeah. But don't serve your guests milk and hot sauce at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> that's a very kind of, like... That's a millenni- thing. That's like a millennial peanuts <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> what is this, I'm too old Chuck? for that one. <laughs> what block had cooked all this? Hot sauce, milk, <laughs> CBD? <laughs> <laughs> Just mix it all together. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I didn't mean to just completely derail us, but with contrasting elements, that is something to think about is sweetness, acidity sometimes. So like we have this mimosa gosa in front of us right now. Yeah. Um, This is a gosa is probably going to be too delicate for like a hefty Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. But you can use. Maybe on the dessert side. Yeah. Or at the beginning. Yeah. Um, you can use acidity the same way that you use bitterness. Yes. So you can use acidity to mask bitterness um, or... Or balance sweetness. Right. Contrast it. Yeah. So yeah. like a lot of a malt flavors so can tend to like just kind of balance out the heat that you might be tasting from a dish or something. Right. right. And carbonation too. Yeah. Again, oh. yeah. Carbonation, I think with particularly with just a meal like thanksgiving like it everybody knows like you know you've always got the family member who makes the joke about like unbuckling your belt or whatever and like needing to take a nap i will say one thing body is probably one of the most important elements to consider about the beer yes um there is one example of um, some presentation i saw where this girl was pairing tons of different chocolates with different beers Mm -hmm. and they all went so well like literally did not matter what the beer was as long as the body was was there significant and as soon as she paired a chocolate with a thin body beer it was just it wasn't there at all like so body is a big deal if you have a thin body beer you better have a real life type of food like a salad (laughs) right well and that's really interesting because one of like the things we've been talking about most so far really is more mouthfeel than flavor. So mouthfeel is carbonation, body, astringency, creaminess. Yep. And really, if you've got the the right body and also the right carbonation, like those, particularly when we're talking about a meal like this that's going to be heavy, it's going to be a lot of food, right? Yeah. And it's several varied dishes. Yep. 
the focusing on the carbonation and body over you know you're not going to want to choose a stout with every exactly with every dish and you're not going to roasty for some really not going to find yourself picking a lot of big big alcoholic beers or big intensity and flavors right right exactly which is another place where like a good medium body belgian triple is going to be great because it's also um it can be higher in alcohol but it has that really good crisp thinner body and it's higher in carbonation yes so uh when in doubt for thanksgiving just go for a belgian blonde belgian brown Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you really want to get into some specific types of complimentary flavors, your trust your palate. Try these things. You know, right. you you get you know you you guys know more than you think you know when it comes to like figuring out what tastes what, what goes yeah. well together. Yeah, and like we were talking about before, that was a really big realization for me when we were talking about it afterwards, and we all had the exact same answers. And you know, like I said, our friend was just like. Well, yeah, they're not trying to hide the ball. Like these are basic food principles. Like yeah. this is culinary science that these things work together. And it is like you know not to drink orange juice right after you brush your teeth. Yeah, you know. And so it is. It is very intuitive it how, is. how to do this. And it's just like learning how to figure out what you're thinking and what you're tasting, yeah. which is a very much much has to do with beer too, because that's. Took me a whole couple of years to like really be able to figure out what I was tasting and yes. describe it to somebody else. Right, right. And so, yeah, if you're like a pastry boy who wants, you know, cocoa nibs and vanilla and cinnamon and everything, that's not going to go well with Thanksgiving dinner. No. Not unless you have some sort of like maybe tiramisu for dessert, but that's yeah. about it. Right. Or if you just have, I guess maybe yeah. if your family just like eats all desserts. Yeah. Or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you really don't need New England IPAs. They don't go well with anything at all. There's not a single food out there they go well with. Yeah. They, they go well with a glass of orange juice. <laughs> I recommended one Toast. the other day to be paired with, maybe it was something that had like an Asian slaw or something like that. But it is kind of difficult to pair What's it because it's so sweet. Hot water. Well, depending on your New England IPA. Right. Right. Under attenuated, yeasty, flowery, hop water. <laughs> right. Um, so one of the things that I do since we I just said that as a jab at New England IPAs, but I feel like sh- I'm probably right. Yeah. Since, we, <laughs> since we've kind of gone through the three C's, um, you know, one of the things well, that I do. Well, we didn't. We didn't really we talk didn't? about cut. We oh, talked about we it. We talked about it a lot because in our suggest- parent, like in our examples. Right, but like also cutting is like the extreme of contrast. Yeah. If you will, if that's a good way to put it. Like yeah. the flavors are so different that the beer almost just cuts it away, scrubs it away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, carbonation, bitterness, acidity, those are all really good qualities to look for if you're looking if you have something really rich. Yeah. And you, and exactly. if you have something really rich and you're looking to make it not as rich, yeah. you know, if you're, if you've got a big piece of chocolate cake, then yeah, I get that pastry stout out because that's just going to be two really big complementary flavors. Sure. Or contrasting, you could go with a raspberry for a mm. Raspberry and chocolate cake. Yes. Different flavors, but very complimentary. Now I went framboise and chocolate cake. 
<laughs> I, uh, I don't, I, I would eat that with you. Okay, good, good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so one of the things that I started doing, and I, I say I started doing it, I still do it when I'm trying to work on a food pairing. What I, the first thing I do is I sit down and make a list of all of the elements in the food. So like I had done uh, vegetarian meatballs that I had made Ooh. and I was pairing that with like a four cheese tomato sauce and then just like some pepperdell. And I, you know, okay, what were the main ingredients in the meatballs? And it was mostly mushrooms and then like some breadcrumbs, you know, so I write that down, write down the elements that are in the tomato sauce. You know, there's acidity, there's umami, um, there's a sweetness to it and same thing for the pasta. So then I had all of those elements written down and like, that's all, you're just breaking down what it is that you're tasting when you take that bite. And then I typically use either the Brewmaster's Table by Garrett Oliver, which we recommended in our resources episode. And I just, I recommend it for anybody. I mean, he's a very good, entertaining writer and you will learn a lot. But um, I'll use his book in the back. It's got a great little glossary that gives you just some ideas for, you know, pasta sauce. If it's tomato base, try pairing it with these beers, these beers, these beers. And I did that and would write down a few beers that would go with, those different components and look for the overlap so if if you know he recommends a belgian double for the meatballs and also for the pasta and also for the tomato sauce then i know i've got a probably a pretty good match Um, or i would write down okay well what sorts of things what do i want to complement do i need to cut anything do i need to contrast anything so what would those flavors look like do i want something with you know, kind of a breadiness to kind of pick up the breadiness that is in like the pasta. I know there's not bread and pasta, but you know what I mean? Yeah. The starchiness. And do I want some earthy hops to help pick up some of the mushroom flavor and things like that? And then work my way into a beer style that best fits that. And uh, most of what I learned when I did that is that basically everything I eat is (laughs) carb, (laughs) some sort of tomato-based something with cheese on it. Like that's... (laughs) So I tried to do the same thing, like, oh, let me pick out a beer to pair with this pizza that I ordered. And I was like, okay, extra cheese, um, <laughs> thick crust, and pizza sauce. So I'm back to carb, tomato-based something, cheese. And I was like, oh, I'm making enchiladas. Carb, <laughs> tomato-based sauce, cheese. So what I've learned is that if I just keep Doppelbach in my house... <laughs> I will usually have something to pair with whatever I'm eating because apparently I just eat like a toddler. Like I think I'm being super fancy because I'm like, oh, I've got pepperdell. Like, no, it's just it's, it's spaghetti and meatballs and it's just like cheese enchiladas and cheese pizza. So uh, if I if I keep Doppelbach in my house, I'm golden all the time. <laughs> have you ever done a beer and food pairing that just did not work? I mean, I feel like, yeah, but I just don't really call anything right now, you know? Yeah. Like, I We're both like, just effortlessly flawless. I mean, that's yeah. all it is. We don't make mistakes. Well, I think a lot of times, and this is where I'll catch myself at the most, if I'm out at a restaurant and like I'm not thinking about it, Yeah. especially after a long day, because I think what my normal, if I, especially if I'm not thinking about it, my go-to is just like, give me your clearest IPA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that is like kind of awful beer to 
to pair it with like most foods right you know but yeah most of the time when i'm out it's not about i'm just not and and i'm making a beer and food exactly it's just like i just want but i have like noticed that if i do do that and then pick an entree that just does not go well with ipa which is probably most of them then i'll typically like stop drinking my beer yeah i do the same thing i've noticed that so um it is helpful. Like, if you do think about it, like, uh, at the brewery today, we have some people eating Yafo, which is a Greek Mediterranean uh, restaurant right around the corner. It's so good. And they have a lot of flavors going on mm-hmm. in their they food. Do. And that, to me, I would always, you know, pair that with our German Hefeweizen or the Grisette that we have on mm-hmm. draft. Or even uh, just a Pilsner. Or, yeah. And, you know, they all immediately got three IPAs with their food and sat down. And I wasn't about to, like tell them what i thought right <laughs> but uh i was just like man that kind of it's kind of be a little rough that pairing to me like i don't think it would be very good but you know they you know a lot of that comes to with the company that you keep who's hanging out with you right. how good of a time you're having you right. might not even be thinking about that kind of stuff right. and everything well, tastes yeah, fine that's what i'm saying usually I'm, i don't yeah. think about it unless i'm someplace that has like is known for yeah really good pairings or if i just want to kind of flex my skills to you know to yeah. to put myself through the paces yeah we don't that. go out and like <laughs> analyze every single i don't have the energy to sit there and yeah. analyze every single beer i don't want to trust me it's like not fun Right. Because it takes a lot of work. You need to be in a good setting. First of all, you're out in a bar, like you're gonna have like a second where you're truly analyzing. You're not really analyzing this beer. Like, yeah. Right. Too many distractions and nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear you. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I think that's another definitely another <laughs> big thing about that. And it's you know, it is something that we've talked about before though, and I'm not sure if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I know you and I have talked about it. I know we talked to Kara about it. Uh, and I've talked to a lot of people about it, is that being beer experts can sometimes make it really hard to just go out and drink a damn beer. Oh, ignorance is bliss, y'all. Yeah. And so you, you if see... I'm going out to eat, like I'm in, I'm in, I'm out to eat yeah. restaurant mode. I'm not looking to pair something because oh. if I get your dirty draft line beer. Yeah. I, I do that a lot. Sometimes I don't even get beer and like I just have my water because I am just like there to eat. And I mm-hmm. do know that. Your food is awesome, but your draft lines are not. Like sometimes I know that, or sometimes I get a bottle because I don't trust the draft right. lines, and then I'm a little nervous if the bottle's old or not. So yeah, there is a lot of that. I don't really run into that in Charlotte because you know I don't go to places that are like that one. Mm-hmm. But man, when I was at that Outer Banks, and if you heard that episode, well, I think our first or second episode about me complaining, yeah, that was the worst. Yeah. Try to get a beer and you just watch all the dirty glasses out there. And yeah. Then, we were, um, last week Tom was in Atlanta and we went someplace to get, we ended up getting food, but it has a very nice, very thoughtful draft list. And one of Tom's very, very favorite beers, like of all time, but when we were in Chicago, his like favorite beer to get, they had it on tap and they don't distribute Obviously, they distribute a little bit outside yeah. of Chicago, or we wouldn't have been able to get it at this bar in Atlanta. But uh, I had told him like the week earlier, hey, when you're here, we need to go to this place because they've got the beer on. And he was super excited about it. We were super excited about it. We got there. He ordered it, and it was acetic as fuck. Oh, no. Yeah, because he tasted it and was like, I don't remember this being this sour. Is it yeah, it was the draft line. It was it was that not bad? the beer. 
And yeah, like I went to smell it and could and could just smell the infection in it. And stuff like that is just a bummer. Yeah. That's one of the reasons Pilot's so small we don't really distribute. You know, I used to make fun of Charlotte for this when I first moved here. But now I'm really glad that this is the way it is. So Charlotte has a company called Crafty Beer Guys, which mm-hmm. cle- like their main thing is to go out and clean everyone's draft lines. Right. And everybody hires them. And when I first got here, we don't hire them because we're, you know, Cicero's. Well, you can do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it's very, it's something that is very easy to do yourself. It's, to, it's time consuming and they don't charge very much. And it's definitely a luxury right. thing to have well, them come do it. And I've also seen like a lot of hotels and restaurants, no, places like that that it have is bars. Great. It is yeah. great that they are here. So I, I first, when I first got here, I used to think they were so silly. Like, why don't you just clean your own draft lines? But you know what? If you don't know how to clean your draft lines, you definitely don't know how to do it properly. So mm-hmm. mines will not just try to go at it. I think it's great because now everyone really does use them. So everyone's draft lines are freaking clean here yeah. in Charlotte. And if you're if they're not, you can tell. Yeah. You really can tell. Right. And so, that used to be run by fellow advanced sister on Chris Westgard. Yes. Who's now a protagonist. Yes. And I'm sure they have very, very squeaky clean draft lines. Yes. They better. <laughs> we do. And, you know, you can't just like, we've had people ask like, well, if I don't use the draft line that much, like if there is beer that sitting in there, worse. if there is beer sitting in there. You have to clean the draft lines every two weeks. Like, you can't just skip. Oh, I'll just get it every three weeks. No, it, like, it will build up. It will really matter. And, and and on top of that, they need to be replaced once a year, too. So there's a lot of maintenance that goes with keeping a, a good draft system. And there's a lot of reasons that you, you might taste a great beer at the brewery and a crappy beer at the beer bar. Mm-hmm. And it's not always the brewery's fault. So, so I guess you should you could say that we are thankful Yes. That we have we clean are. draft lines I first of to appear so with <laughs> food. <laughs> and then if you don't have draft lines at home, you just get bottles. Yeah, there you go. Because Pour it into a glass. Don't use a shaker pint. I'll know. Clean glass. I'll, yeah, we'll know. Clean the glass. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. So. Please refer to that other episode about yes. clean glassware. <laughs> Yeah, or basically, my, like my life all the time. Like yeah. I'm like walking clean beer glass. <laughs> I've even joked about that Cicerone graphic of beer clean glassware. Getting yeah. that as a tattoo. Yeah, do it. And just being like, you see the, <laughs> yeah, you see this. I'll take a pint, <laughs> a clean one. Please refer to my underarm. <laughs> I guess that's for where, directions. That's where Why not? This is where I would put it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how easy! Like, hello, hello, woo! It's right here. Here it is. Um, okay. Well, I think <laughs> that's, uh, I think we've had enough of this three point eight percent, and we apparently just get a little. This silly. really is the first time we've drank. It really is. <laughs> it really so, was, was. It goes up. Be thankful, everyone, that we don't normally drink. I mean, we'll tell you. Yeah, we don't have anything to hide. <laughs> I just think it was funny that guy thought we were tipsy. <laughs> tipsy on life, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> nope, we're just stupid. So, uh. <laughs> thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. All right, outro. This has been False Bottom Girls, and we make the Bruin world go round. <laughs> <laughs>